Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... Right. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian. Scottish Rugby Podcast brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. I am Cami Black and this week we are doing our big Rugby World Cup special. We are almost there. The excitement, it doesn't seem yet palpable somehow, but I, I suspect when we are deluged and, and drowning in a sea of hastily put together documentaries next week about the history of the World Cup and where all the players have, have come from in the family histories, we will be absolutely sick of it. Um, but joining me while we are still fresh and, and excited about this, uh, this week I have got Ian Hay. Well, hello there. And Sandy Smith. Greetings all. Uh, don't forget, you can get in touch with us uh, by email, uh, podcast at scotchrugbyblog.co.uk. We're on Twitter at scottrugbyblog, or you can follow me, uh, get in touch with me at Cammy Black. We've got a Facebook page, which if you just search Scottish Rugby Blog, it comes up. And we're on Instagram under Scottish Rugby Podcast. Uh, although we mainly use that account just to spy on the players, if we're being honest. Um, you can, If you're listening to this, you've probably already found us somehow, whether that's on the blog or on one of the other podcast apps out there. The main ones we tend to be on our Spotify and Acast, as well as the Apple Podcast app, where you can even leave us a review. And thank you very much to everyone who's left us reviews. It's um, we are. Can you believe this, lads? We're in the top 10 rugby podcasts in the UK this week. Nice. Uh, how many are there? <laughs> the, the, there's quite a number. The only thing I think the, the, the issue is that a number of the major ones haven't. The, I, Apple went through a big uh, overhaul of its podcasts over the last few months, and some of the big ones haven't put themselves in the rugby category yet. So, um, for the minute, though, if people are browsing rugby podcasts, then we come quite high. So that's quite good. But we have had some reviews. Thank you, everyone who puts these in. It does allegedly, according to some sort of algorithm, this does help people find us if you leave us reviews. Uh, we've got one from, which I really hope this isn't your password. I'm not going to read that out because it looks like someone's password. <laughs> Please don't put your password in as your username for leaving reviews on uh, on <laughs> on Apple Podcasts. But anyway, someone said that the Scottish Rugby Pod you should listen to. Well informed enough to be worth listening, but informal enough to be enjoyable. Keep up the good work, boys. And this person said, it, uh, last time round we made them much feel much better about the uh, squad selection. So thanks for that. Um, Rorinho, I'm not sure if this is Rory from uh, our podcast, Taking the Mick, <laughs> says, good pod, entertaining if a little parochial. Which... <laughs> 
we've been accused of being pro killer in the past, but I don't, you know, with the Scottish Rugby podcast is not, you know. We'll come on to Berwick uh, later on. If people, if people want to get parochial, we'll come on to Berwick later on. Um, <laughs> and then we had Dark Blue Andy, who says, always excellent, informed, and well-balanced, with just the right level of hands in the ruck sieve. So thank you very much. If if people want to leave us reviews, it does apparently help, and, and we will read out uh, the best ones. Um, we will start out, as we always do, with a little bit of news. Uh, Sandy, this is probably in your arena, because you, you tend to be uh, doing little bits and bobs for the blog on this, but Super 6, we've actually had some signings. Uh, the Southern Knights today have announced four signings. Um, more controversially, though, the, the Ayrshire Bulls have announced two, one of whom is a South African who's been playing with the Jersey Reds. Do, right. do you think that's what the SRU intended when they set up the Super Six? Um, I've not had a chance to look to see whether the 24-year-old is, um, uh, is Scottish qualified or anything. I mean, I, so I don't know. I mean, I, I can't imagine they wanted it to be all... 19, 20, and 21-year-olds. Yeah. And we and we maybe just don't have enough players to fill it. I mean, the, you would think that they would be happy with that because then it means we're not, that the Super 6 are not taking players from the, the club sides, which everybody was getting themselves exercised about. So, yeah, I, I don't know. But uh, it's a, yeah, I suppose it's a difficult one, isn't it? On, on, on the one hand, Super 6 is supposed to be a development opportunity. But like you said, it's early days. I mean, there was, I think it was on the offside line, had the interview with... Um, an older head who was saying basically you can't, if, if you're an older player you can't really afford to to live a no. life or pay a mortgage on on the money you'd be getting from Super Six. Yeah, I mean it's going to. I think just from the the money that's available, you're you're talking about guys that are at uni or are lucky enough to be doing a job that um, that affords them the t- time. I think one of the I, just, I can't remember his name, but one of the guys signed today by. Um, uh, the, uh, the the Melrose side uh, uh, owns his own uh, haulage business or something like that. So he's obviously he can suit himself, I suppose, to a certain extent. But um, you know, uh, you the need su- to be lucky. Yeah, the Southern Knights who say knee, I think, is how Southern we, Knights. Yes, the Southern uh, Knights who say knee, which is a niche Monty Python <laughs> reference. But I think that's what we might call them on the podcast. Um, the other bit of news this week, big news again for you, Sandy. Embra have finally got round to getting. Is this right? Building Yay! permission. To build Mini Murray Field. Yeah, fantastic news that one. I'm really, uh, really chuffed to see that. To be honest, I mean, it's uh, there's been a lot of wrangling with the with the Edinburgh Council, and it's uh, it's taken to the point now where I think they were ex- they were hoping to be in there partway through this season, but now um, uh, given those delays, and uh, it's definitely going to be the start. Well, the, the plan is now the start of. Um, uh, season twenty twenty one. So yeah. uh, I'm better late than never. Um, I'm not entirely convinced by all the the uh, the infrastructure that goes with it. We'll we'll see what what they plan. Yeah, but uh, I mean, uh, remains to be seen. Yeah, good, this, good news anyway. Good news. I mean, they're saying the construction is going to start in the autumn. So Ian, that means no drinking on the back pitches during the Six Nations for the rest of us. Oh, that's it. Usually it's quite cold back there anyway, so aye, aye. maybe it's maybe not too bad. We can just uh, retire to the up and under. Fair enough. Room. Fair enough. We might come on to the up and under later on. We've had we've had complaints. Um, some Glasgow news, Ian. Um, Glasgow have finally made a signing. Um, they've signed prop Aki Seluli from Otago, who was previously played for the Highlanders, but he was out last season with an ACL injury, apparently. Um, are you happy? Bit of prop cover? Uh, well, it was, I suppose, needed with um, Jamie Batty being away, and also it means he can 
um, fill in during Six Nations, um, if the likes of uh, if Alex Allen gets a call up, for example. Um, but no, it does seem to be a, a bit of a concern. You know, those names I've mentioned, we are seem to be uh, we are low on supply of domestic loose heads. Yeah. Um, and even at Edinburgh, it's the same. You know, we we skewing being number one. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, could we put some the end to cover those international breaks, but maybe it's a uh, cost to the, the national side. Yeah. Uh, the other big news from Glasgow this week is Dave Rennie's considering Hugh Jones as, as cover at fullback. Interesting one. Um, you know, you can see uh, a good broken field runner, so you know it's uh, fullback maybe suit him in that kind of um, that respect. But I don't think I've ever seen him do, do a kick, to be honest, or, um, <laughs> or a clearing kick. So um, not sure how that would pan out, but yeah. yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, the big Scotland news today that's come out is that Jamie Ritchie's been given the all clear after suffering a facial injury in the game against Georgia. Uh, Magnus Bradbury is going to remain as injury covered cover. Sorry for for the squad. So he's staying in Japan, having flown out there. Um, we'll come on to uh, later on. We're going to do a wee quiz on the rules of of the Rugby World Cup. Uh, we we occasionally do quizzes. I did outlaw them initially, but this is a a bit of fun. Um, so Magnus can stay with the squad, but is limited in what he can do, and we will discuss that later on in the podcast. Um, we, we should probably touch on the Georgia game then. Uh, Ian, you were there. Um, was did we learn anything from that game at all? Was it really a worthwhile run out? Do you think? Um, worthwhile for likes of Taylor to get more minutes under his belt. Um, nearly ended up costing us uh, Jamie Ritchie though. Uh, he was the one that they were most concerned about in the, the press conference after. Um, but yeah, you know, the, like I said, some players need minutes under their belt, so it was a, a worthwhile exercise in that respect. But I don't think we learned much new. Um, some of it was pretty patchy, uh, to be polite. <laughs> um, Sandy, is, is Ryan Wilson captain material on that show? Yeah, I thought he was, actually, believe it or not. I, I thought he did a. Uh, I'm still not convinced by him and his actual playing ability but um as a captain i thought he led the side well you know that, and it's two two separate things um uh, you could see it meant a lot to him and you could see that he was up for the uh, uh the challenge and the, the strange thing was he was actually top scotland tackler on the night so mm. i mean i know he d- does that anyway i'm not saying he doesn't but uh, you know uh, he he took a big step up in my eyes on uh, against Georgia because um, because of the way he applied himself to that, but you know, still not convinced in terms of his uh, playing ability at the very top level. But captain wise, I thought he did good. Yeah, Ian. I mean, did did did, did he make this? I mean, you've you've seen him captain at, at Glasgow, and he kind of dropped off at the end of the season. Do you, Scotland gave away a lot of penalties. Do you think there's a correlation there, or is that just coincidence? Um, no, I've not looked at the stats, but I don't think he was responsible for too many of them. Um, no. A lot of the, the, the scrums seem to go against this, but that's just Roman Platt being Roman Platt. Um, but and well, our, our discipline has been an issue at times as well. Um, but uh, no, I don't think he, he can be sort of directly blamed for that. I think it's been an issue for quite some time. Barclays is likely to pick up a yellow card these days as well, uh, Wilson, to be honest. Yeah. I think the interesting thing was, and it's probably something that we're going to see, is this this much-touted fittest team in the world trademark patent pending that Gregor Townsend's talked about. Is It, it kind of, I think that's the first time we really see it, see it show 
in against against a you know a, a very physical team in, in Georgia that it, it suggests that in the World Cup we're really going to see Scotland tear away from teams like that in the last quarter rather than it be so we maybe need to be prepared a little bit Sandy for for sort of tight games for the first three quarters and then Scotland tearing away at the end do you think? Yeah, I mean, especially against if you would if you want this sort of tier tier two nations where where the the, the difference in fitness is probably you know marked. Um, I don't I, I don't buy into the we're fitter than you because everybody says that at, at the top you know for for all the tier one sides, but um, uh, it may be that we're playing a different style which makes it look like that, and you know, and if it helps us with the um, with the middle games, if you like, then great. Shall we go on and look at the World Cup games then? Now we've got George out of the way. The team have flown over uh, at the weekend. They're in Japan now, plus plus thir- 31 plus Magnus Bradbury, uh, sitting in a corner playing video games, waiting for the call for someone to knack themselves, apparently. Um, first game for Scotland uh, against Ireland, 22nd of September at the International Stadium in Yokohama at 8.45 a.m. UK time on ITV, of course, and we, we might touch on that later on. Um, it's it's an interesting one because it, it, it's got to be a, a must-win game, that, Ian. Do you think, I mean, do you think we've seen a flavour of some of the of the combinations that Townsend's likely to put out, or do you think it's he's it, still undecided? Um. I think it'll be well, even with the new squad that's been picked. I think it'll be the old heads. Um, I think I think he'll go with Laidlaw's control over Price to begin with. Um, I don't know how many times Laidlaw and Russell have played together, but it's been pretty much four years worth of an, an international level. Um, Johnson will probably play at twelve. Uh, that, that's maybe the one area where we've not seen a lot of combinations. Um, you know, will it be Johnson Taylor or Johnson Harris? Uh, you'd imagine Johnson would start at 12, though. Um, so I think I think there will be a fair level of familiar, familiarity uh, in the combination, sort of, sort of, you know, the, the main areas. I was thinking about the standing, and I was wondering whether or not the, the, the pack that we saw against France at Murrayfield is likely to be the pack that we would see, where you've got, um, sort of, was it Nell, Gordy Reid, Stuart McAnally? Um, I mean, he went, he had to kind of, well, it was uh, Skinner and... Um, Gilchrist, I suppose, packing down at two, and that was down to the fact that Gray was injured. So, and now you've lost Skinner. Maybe might I mean at Lucky looking at Gray and Cummings on current form. Do you think, or do you think he's going to go Gray and Gilchrist? No, I, 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 I think you. Uh, if you're going on form, I think it's more likely to be Gray and Cummings. Um, I think, and I mean, I'm not. I mean, you would expect me to maybe say otherwise, but I'm kind of. I've had a. A, a kind of revelation and looked at some of the head-to-heads and um, a, I mean they they are better is the bottom line uh, more more dynamic it's you know it's not necessarily always visible to the naked eye but um, a, 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 that's the way I would go now um, I'm not sure about the loose heads um, in terms of is it uh, Gordy Reid or is it Alan Dell um, I think uh, Dell probably offers a wee bit more in the loose, um, whereas I think uh, Gordy's probably a better uh, scrummager. But you know, so it's just really what what, what Town uh, Tony thinks is the uh, is the best way to go there. But my guess, I, 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 mean, I mean, watching it, my my guess is that 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 
um, that Gordy's going to start because I, I think you want to get the upper hand in a scrum early on, and, and if he's the best scrummager, you sure. you keep him on, and and it then becomes a question of is is my replacement better than your replacement, or there or thereabouts, yeah. or good enough? Whereas you're always going to start with your you know your your best scrummages. So I think that I think for all that Dell's best in in the loose, I think you play. Gordy for as long as you can get out of him, even if that's fifty minutes of scrummaging and, and ambling about the park. And then you bring Dell on when maybe it doesn't matter so much or you've already got the upper hand in the scrum, so you might get the better of them. Um so I mean it's interesting that I mean Ireland have kind of gone with I think this has slightly um surprised everybody, Ian, with uh, Devon Toner being dropped and they've kind of gone for that sort of dynamism, I suppose, at lock. Do you think that's that's going to play into what Scotland might do as well? Um, not particularly. Um, you know, I think we've got our, our game plan and that's, you know, it's, it's always going to be the, the fastest rugby in the world. Um, but with, with their, you know, a lot of their, their locks also play at um, line side as well, like say flanker. So, you know, there's definitely a bit of dynamism in there. Um, Toner, who'd been, you know, such a, you know, he plays. I think he played the most games as it, of any player under Schmidt. Um, so he's got on, but uh, you know they don't seem to have any line out worries with likes of Omani and Henderson in there. Um, but they do certainly seem to be going for a bit more, um, a bit more pace in the uh, in the tight five. What's the? I mean, what's? I mean, the only name that you would put first in the back row is Hamish Watson, and then after that, it seems to be anyone's guess. I mean, I, I, what was your take on Blade Thompson? On Saturday, and because you were there, I thought he had. A lot of people have sort of said he's not good enough. We've had somebody make ridiculous comments about the size of his waist on the comment section <laughs> of the blog. But he really seemed to. He carries very hard. His tackling is faultless. I thought he had a very, a very good game. So do you do you think he's now first choice eight? Um, I do, because he's the yeah. sort of classic number eight we've been trying out for. And even I saw he got criticised after the France game as well, and I thought he actually had a pretty decent match. Yeah. Um, you know, putting a lot of, uh, putting a couple of bone crunching tackles. And in Georgia, we, you know, France, I think he only lasted about 50, 55 minutes before having to go off um, with a, another concussion, which would worry him. Um, but now against Georgia, you know, we saw a bit more of him, uh, you know, in the attacking sense of a number eight. And I think he is the one that, that we've, We've all been crying out for, and the fact that people are already moaning about that is um, <laughs> rather disconcerting. But you know, do you want to go back to Ryan Wilson so you can moan about that instead? Uh, it's up to you. But no, I think he's uh, he's parachuted himself straight into the um, first choice number eight slot. What's yeah. your take on him, Sandy? I mean, aside from the fact that he's wearing the same colour scrum cap as Scott Cummings, which makes it absolutely impossible to tell them apart, especially <laughs> yeah. when, as Ian might have found the other night, when you're reporting from the stadium. Um, <laughs> what's been your take on him? Yeah, I think he's done. I think he's done pretty well. I mean, I, 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 what stood out for me is that the in the, the two games of the warm-ups he's played when he's you know whilst he's still been on the pitch is that the the restarts have been a bit more secure. Where we've struggled with that, I think a wee bit. Uh, and he seems to have been the the ball. He seems to have been in the right place. The ball seems to have gravitated to him. But you know that's not. I don't think that's an accident. And he's been able to uh, secure it. But I think as we were a bit shaky with that. Um, uh, I mean, I, I, I tend to think that if um, if Bradbury had had a chance, potential it might not have happened because I, I think he's um, 
got what it takes, but he's not had the chance because he wasn't injured. Or he was injured, and I, 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 you know, I don't think we, you can select somebody who hasn't played at all mm. uh, in the warm-ups. I don't think that's right or proper. So, um, Blade, even when I've seen him play for uh, for Scarlets in the last week, I mean, I'm not a completist, so I wouldn't. Don't think I ever watched him playing uh, in New Zealand, but certainly when I watched him play for Scarlets, he was pretty good. So, um, and pretty much in the absence of anybody else jumping up to take it, I say he's the man. He's got, I think he's got the skills. And then he, I mean, now we know Jamie Ritchie's fit. Then the question at six, then is it's a presumably a straight shoot between Barkley, Wilson, or Ritchie? So do you do you go with? I suppose for me, especially the way he played against Georgia and 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 has played when he when he has been given a chance, is that you would start with Richie and then bring with one of the older heads on. Do you think, Ian, or is that do you think we, you need somebody else like a Barkley or a a Wilson just in there for the experience with Ireland? Um, I, or Wilson I just to wind every, or, or Wilson to wind <laughs> the Irish up rather. No, we don't want that. <laughs> No, I, I think he will uh, end up going with Richie. Depends on how this, um, this facial injury clears up. Um, there was a part of me thinking maybe he'll go with the experience head of Barkley in there, but you know he's already got a big enough leadership group. Um, I think without having another one in there. Um, so and and Barkley, his fitness didn't look great to be honest. He looked like he was maybe a wee bit um, puffing a wee bit during uh, during his times on the pitch. Especially as France came in Nice, um, and Richie, you know, has been probably our best player in the Six Nations. Mm. So, yeah, so he's, sure. he's, he's in possession of the jersey. Um, yeah, I suppose from Barkley's point of view, to give him credit, he's 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 had almost an entire season out coming into this World Cup. So that's maybe why he's been played more than other players, just to bring him up to conditioning. Um, the the other, the, I mean, if we're saying we've already said kind of laid law. To start, then you know it's always going to be Russell at ten against Ireland. Then you said Johnson at twelve, which seemed I think it'd be the only reason he hadn't played earlier was because of an injury. In um, so, do you think he's going to go with Taylor at thirteen? Because it seemed to be that's the combination that he was he he wanted to try out the most. Um, yeah, I think he will just for um, both of them their defensive capabilities. Um, I think it'll be between Taylor and Harris. Harris might get the nod due to Taylor's lack of game time um, but he got a full 80 minutes against Georgia um, but I think that'd be the only thing that could possibly sway towns in but I think we will see um, Johnson at 12 I think he'd nailed that down um, and probably Taylor outside him I mean aside from injuring himself in a ridiculous some sort of a ridiculous way between now and then Sandy do you, do you agree with <laughs> that that's, that's going to be Townsend's preferred sort of first choice centre pairing yeah, I mean, you get the impression this is more or less what he's been looking for all along, and he's just been waiting for uh, Taylor to be fit enough to to do it. I mean, uh, Johnson's played his way in at twelve. He, he's, I think, his head and shoulders are, are best twelve as it stands, and um, I, I think you know, I think Taylor's obviously more usually I'm, I'm an inside centre, but um, you know, I think that looks as if the way that Townsend's wanted to go. Um, I can't, you know, Harris. I'm not first in terms of his attacking ability. Clearly, he's got a, a good defence, um, but uh, and I suspect that's probably why he's made it there, um, the defence more than anything. But yeah, I would certainly go uh, Johnson and Taylor for a starting. Mm. 
yeah. centre pairing. And then if you if you're in the the wings in the in fullback, obviously it's going to be hoggy, Tough. hoggy yeah. at fifteen. Aye. But the way the wings, all of a sudden you get to the wings and you've got Seymour, uh, Darcy Graham, and Maitland. So where you know it, that that combination. I mean, obviously, I would be to a certain extent. I wonder whether he goes with Maitland and, and Graham with with Tommy Seymour off the bench. Well, I mean, Maitland looks as if of. You know, except for Darcy Graham, Maitland looks as if the one who's been the most consistent in that. You know, I mean, there's only three players, but he's to me, he, he has not done anything that you would say he can't start the match. Um, and I think Graham's just proven to be, you know, fantastic. He's again, you know, every time you see him, he's better than he was the time before. Uh, and I think to, you know, if you can't have that kind of magic um, on the pitch, you're um, you know, there's something wrong. It doesn't, to me, it wouldn't fit in by the way that Townsend necessarily thinks to to play far too safe there. But um, and you know, and if you're going to start with uh, uh, with Darcy and have uh, uh, Seymour on the bench, it's not a bad not a bad combination to bring on if you if you need if you need to change it, you know. Uh, um, but he's he's fearless and he's. And he's just everything's going his way at the moment. I think. Yeah, <laughs> he's I mean, got to go with it. He's hitting a couple of rucks as well on Friday night, which yeah. was, you know, strange to see not just for a winger but for someone of his height and size as well. Um, I, I, he, he's just got no fear. Or... Yeah, well, that's what comes from being the Prince of Hoyk, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> Ian, would you? Would you? I mean, I know you're a big, a, a big Tommy Seymour fan, but would you? Would you agree with that? Do you think we're, we're likely to see Seymour on, come off the bench and and start with Graham Maitland and Hogg? Um, I think it's a coin toss between yeah. uh, Graham and Seymour Maitland. I think is a stick on. Um, you know, he's so much experience. He's got so much talent. He reads the game brilliantly. He's a good finisher, deceptively quick. As we we know, he you know looks like he's going backwards half the time. Um, but at the moment, um, you know the way Graham's playing, it's it's hard to leave him out. Um, you know, everything Sandy was saying. You know, he's fearless. He's ele- he's got electric pace. Um, and attack or defence, he's going to. You know, just cause mayhem. Um, he's he's a real star. Uh, was that five tries in seven matches? Yeah. Five internationals. Yeah. Um, you know, Townsend might go with the, the old head of Seymour. Um, maybe as well if he's going up against Stockdale, and it's been all Ireland like a good box kick. So, um, you know, maybe he'll go with the um, the aerial abilities of Seymour over Graham for that reason. But uh, you know, it's going to be a very hard call. Yeah, so I'll, I'll put you on the spot here. We'll, and we're going to do a wee preview podcast when the teams are announced um, towards the end of next week. Um, what, as things stand at the minute, Ireland haven't had the best of pre sort of pre seasons going into the World Cup. Scotland's been a bit of a mixed bag. What, where, hand on heart, Sandy, where do you see this one going as things stand now? It's, I, 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 that's I, what I was going to say. It, it can, yeah, it, it can go. You know what? It can go either way. I mean, I mean, we're, I mean, you're saying Ireland didn't have the best, but I mean, crazily they've gone to number one in the world. I mean, it's just bizarre. Mm. But um, I, I, I think we can win. Um, uh, and if we don't, I think it will be pretty close. Yeah. Um, and I, but I think I think we can. I think the the, the timing is. Is good for us. That's, uh, uh, that, but that's just. I mean, you could call us either way. As far as I'm concerned, it's you know, the. Uh, I mean, they can easily strangle the game in uh, in our 
attack will get nowhere. But you know, if we get sniff at it, I think we'll, we can beat them. Ian, would you? I mean, you, you said you're going to make similar noises. Do you think that's Sandy's accurate with that? I said, I mean, for for me, I would agree. Um, yes, this. I mean, it, it depends what Scotland turn up. Is it going to be yeah. a defensive shambles, um, or the one that's a defensive shambles and then can put 38 points on you, and, you know, without reply? Um, <laughs> it's uh, yeah. One thing that also concerns me. Um, I see the the pitch in Yokohama has been relayed, so this could turn into a bit of a you know, that could just turn up and this could turn it into an arm wrestle and we will not win an arm wrestle. Well, so, we already know uh, we already know that, that Gordy Reid is, is now best friends with Wayne Barnes having a uh, handshake Gordy. and a yeah. good 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 scrummage in Gordy as he left the pitch <laughs> <laughs> during the France game. So so I think if if anything that's that's the, the reason why why we should stick Gordy on the pitch just so he can uh, sweet talk <laughs> Wayne Barnes around yeah, on the penalty. Um next game then, twentieth uh, of I've written that down. When's it um it's, it's uh, Scotland Samoa, isn't it? The next game after On that. The 30th, yeah. 30th. 30th I've, I've written the 20th, and I was trying to work out why what I'd mistyped there. It's the 30th of September. Now, this this is the interesting one, because this is the one game that isn't in Yokohama, Scotland have got that isn't in Yokohama. It's 583 kilometres away in the Kobe Masaki Stadium. Uh, it's an 11.15am kickoff. Um, it's an eight-hour train journey, Ian. Uh, I mean, it's not... What that's what's that seven day turnaround? Do you think that that play that's going to affect Scotland much going into that Samoa game? Is that a worry? Um, no, um, it's you know a lot of the players they have six day turnarounds, so this is this is a full week's recovery. Um, I think as well we'll see changes. Obviously, Samoa shouldn't be taken lightly. Um, but you know for all the sort of talented individuals, the uh, seem to cause us a bit of bother. But we always get there in the end. So yeah, um, I think we'll see a few, a good few changes, um, either enforced or otherwise, um, and we should have enough to see off some more. There was an interesting article on the BBC. If anyone wants to look this up, that was uh, it was um, interviews with the sort of backroom staff for Scotland about all the stuff yeah. that they're sending out. There's one uh, somebody quoting saying they've sent out four tons of kit already um but it was a car i'm trying to see who it was the quote was from is the um the, the one big worry they've got is that um getting used to the public transport because japanese bullet trains run on time and yeah. um, the, the quote was my biggest worry is getting them all on the bullet train in time for departure you don't get long to get on and i know some of our guys like to drift away from the group for coffees now can we have a guess now sandy which who's going to miss the train Oh, let me think about that for a second. <laughs> it's going to be Finn. But if, what he would do is he would just catapult himself from the end of the station and, and catch it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and if anybody's good, although, I mean, your your coffee, your real coffee aficionados, like, I can't imagine Stuart's going to be that irresponsible, but uh, McAnally obviously runs his own, his, his own kind of coffee thing and uh, and the, uh, so maybe maybe he'll be the one that goes to seek out new uh, new products. <laughs> yeah, but then, then he can just fly them there if you know. Yeah, ah, well, fly them over. Yeah, so sorted. <laughs> Very true. So Sandy, you 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 as optimistic as Ian over that one? Do you think it'll be a a, a straightforward game or? Yes. Yeah, it should be. I mean, that's uh, I, I'm, as the closer it gets, the more. Uh, more worrying I am, uh, and the more videos from uh, our friend Mr. Squidge that I watch that uh, I start to get concerned. But I, it should be that should be routine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's th- if th- it's not, 
who don't deserve to be there. They lost thirty four fifteen to Australia at the weekend, Ian. I mean, that's not. I mean, it's, you know, Australia having a bit of a renaissance, but it's maybe more of a worry for the amount of points we might we'll, we'll, we'll win. But it's maybe more of a worry for the amount of points we might concede. I guess. Yeah. Um. Yeah. If it ends up going to points difference, as it could. Um, yeah. I suppose. Um. That could be fatal. So then, after Samoa, it's Scotland, Russia on the 9th of October, back in Yokohama, uh, eight fifteen kickoff, UK time. Um, I mean, I suppose that the worry with this one, I suppose this is the the dead rubber, really, to a certain extent, uh, Sandy. That you've got Russia have had a pretty appalling <laughs> run into this. So, you know, a couple of years ago, you might have thought. Not that we'd struggle, but you, you'd maybe think, well, is it going to? Are they going to? Is it going to be a bruising encounter? But yeah. I'm just looking at their their. I mean, they got um, played Connacht at the weekend, yeah, um, and they were quite soundly beaten. Um, when I find the where's the result? Yeah, so they're 42-14 against Connacht at the weekend, 85-15 against Italy, um. And then they played the Southern Kings as well and got roundly beaten as well. Although uh, Glasgow fans will know will know all about that. Um, <laughs> they so, so um, Jersey as well, didn't they? Uh, yeah, yeah, Jersey Reds. Jersey Reds. Yeah. So who do you, I mean? Do you go with or not with with a complete second string here? Kind of Hastings at ten, Horn at nine for this kind of test team, Sandy, or do you think that we need to take it a bit more seriously than that? Well, I think that, that I mean, if you can, yes, because you've, you've, there's not that long after. I think it's only four days after there before the Japan game. So uh, yes, um, so I think if you can, you don't want to be playing anybody that's going to be playing against Japan. However, I'm concerned that that at that point we might need to run up a decent score in order to get these these points in the bag. Um, and you would suggest that you know. That could still happen, but um, you know, do we do we have to go a bit higher and, and you know put more our first sort of string in in order to ensure that we're they're winning by a? I mean, it's I don't mean it to sound disrespectful, but you know we've just talked about how Russia have not been that great. Um, so uh, you know, I, I, I think it's it's only the margin that's in doubt. I have to be honest. So um, and I, and it may be that. We need to go hard in order to, um, depending on how the results, other results have gone, uh, to see um, what we have to do against Japan. Yeah. Um, I mean, Ian, do you think do you think it needs to be a fifty-plus score for Scotland, realistically, for that game? Um, yeah, there are thereabouts. Um, but I would, yeah, given the short turnaround, I would definitely go second string. Um, I mean, if if it is George Horn, uh, sorry, Hornito. Uh, it's Hastings. Um, you know we've we've seen what they can do when yeah. they combine together, and I think they should be. We should have more than enough to to get a good good score on Russia. Um, yeah, there's going to be players in there. You know we already know the competition in the in the back row, and even to get on in the match 23. Um, so you know there's going to be people out there looking to impress. I think you can safely put a second string team out there and, and easily knock 40, 50 points up against Russia. Yeah, I mean the big game then, like you said, it's a very short turnaround um, to the last game against Japan, hosts Japan, and this is yeah, so I think that's revenge for last time. Yes, yeah, so this is the thirteenth of October yeah. at eleven forty-five a.m. UK time. Um, that's going to be a huge game in Japan because I mean, potentially you're looking at a straight. You're either looking at a straight shootout for second place in the group, or 
if we have somehow beaten Ireland, you're looking at, uh, you know, uh, J- Japan wanting to beat us in order to sort of leapfrog Ireland in the second place. So it's 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 whichever way this goes, that's that's got to be a that's going to be an interesting game, especially as for the for, for the first time in a, in a while, you think a bit like uh, 2015. In Scotland, are probably going to be, um, I don't know, not as well supported, I suppose, in, from, from the wider rugby public and that. I think there'll be a lot of people wanting Japan to to win for for some unfathomable rugby values reason or something like that, but or or, 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 or for the romance of it. Romance um, of, yeah. Do you, I mean? It, do you think that's going to be a, a difficult game, or are we just kind of catastrophizing about it? Do you think? Um. No, I, I do think it will be very difficult. Uh, you know, uh, we've mentioned how our away form isn't fantastic. Um, we did also maybe talk about how it's a, a touch overblown. But in games like this, um, when pressure is on, we haven't. Um, you know, a lot of time we haven't uh, got the result, and you know, we're just setting ourselves up to be the bad guys here. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I do, I do think that we should beat Japan, um, even if the weather's is. You know, horrendous and the ball's all slippery. They play a quite a similar fast paced style to us. Um but you know, we we should have enough uh, experience and guys playing at the highest level, a level higher than what Japanese guys play at yeah. to win this match. I mean it's and it's not gonna be a repeat of was it was it um a gala that beat Japan ninety ten or something yeah. back in back in the early two thousands. It's not it's not gonna be another one of those though, is it? I mean this is no. this is gonna be a tight game. Uh, yeah, I think it will be, but but I think to a certain extent, I wonder whether it could end up not being. I mean, Japan can lose to Samoa. I mean, mm. I, I, and, and making it all pretty um, uh, pointless. I mean, I, you suspect they won't, given their their home advantage and and all that. But you know, that's a tighter game than I think. We're we we're, we're focusing on. We'll, we'll go into that game as you've said with a um, for a, a shootout for second. If, you know, depending on how things go, uh, and it may well be that Japan are done. I mean, the only thing with Japan is that they may be technically out, but it wouldn't stop them from playing. I mean, I, I, you can imagine they would just go at it as hard as they would anyway. They're, mm. they're not, they're not, they're not a team. I don't think are uh, to down tools and think it's it's irrelevant. So, I mean, that's that's the only thing. Um, but you know, I mean, obviously the the beaten Fiji and they've beaten the States in the last few well, but not not by tremendous margins. And you know, okay, and we should be at our, at our best. We should be more than capable of uh, beating that side. I think it's just because we know the way that the things of the the order of these games has come out that it, it could it could very well come down to that. Um, but and I think that's what's given it greater. You know, concern in our minds than it would other. If we were playing them first, we probably wouldn't be bothered. We'd be quite happy. But you know, yeah. it's because it's last, and it, and it's sort of gone up in our in our concern meter. Yeah, um, I mean, we we we'll look at the quarters. I mean, assuming if we're runner up, we either end up playing the South South Africa or the All Blacks, depending on how that group's gone. And then if we win it, we're playing South Africa and the All Blacks. Um, either on the either on the Saturday or the Sunday, both both eleven fifteen kickoffs, both in Tokyo, which is right next to Yokohama. So there's no more travel f- for the team. You assume they'll just stay where stay where they are. Um, th- there's only a six day turnaround between 
the Japan game and should we be the runner up? Uh, the 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 quarter final we were playing. I mean, is that six days enough, Ian? Do you think in a tournament like this, or is, or do you think given that the short turnaround between Russia and Samoa that 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 might play its part in who Scotland might be left with? Um, oh, I think it's a bit it's a bit mean. Um, you know, to <laughs> only give only give you ten days rest between two big well, basically knockout fixtures, um, and whoever it is we put on the quarterfinals. You'd, you'd have to say we're the underdog, wouldn't you? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if it is 60 turn around, then so be it. Um, just need guys who just need to dust themselves off and get themselves off the treatment table. Um, but either way, uh, it's not uh, it's not a quarter final to relish whoever we end up with. No. If, su- as, as the format goes, you know. I suppose, though, Sandy, if you're going to go as far as you can in a, in a World Cup, you're going to have to come across a South Africa or a New Zealand at some point. I mean, and we've, we, we've, you know, we, we, we lost to South Africa. We've, we've lost narrowly to both and given both a good game of late. Do you think yeah. we, that there is any cause for optimism there at all? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> not, not really. I, I, I mean, you're right. It's, you know, it's a cliche. You you you've got to beat them sometime. I mean, you to expect to get to the final of the Rugby World Cup, not play one or the other. Um, you you're just kidding yourself on. Um, I think it's just rather harsh that it's at the quarter final stage. I mean, if um, it, it doesn't seem like a, a great reward uh, for all the effort, to be honest, potential. But you know, um, you're right. We we have beaten we have beaten South Africa not that long ago. Slightly different South Africa than it is now, I would suggest. Um, um, the All Blacks, yeah, not convinced that uh, that their slide is anything that they, sh- they need to be concerned about. To be honest, and I think we're we're up against it in either uh, in either one. Uh, to be honest, um, a week later, then presuming that we've. Absolutely, trans the All Blacks of South Africa, depending on which way it goes. Um, it's the semi-finals in Yokohama. Um, there, it's either going to be England, Wales, France, or Australia. The way the draw falls, um, which again, you know, if we've made it that far, then it's uh, then then who knows? Then yeah. you've got the third place on Friday, the first of November, and and then the, the, hopefully we'll all be watching the final on. on Saturday the 2nd of November at 9 o'clock uh, with, with great interest and some Scottish interest in there, although that's possibly stretching the optimism a little bit. Um, Sandy, you posed an interesting question where, on our wee group chat um, and I've kind of rephrased it slightly and I'll put it to you now, is that the, the SRU have kind of publicly said that they're targeting the quarterfinals as a minimum, which is a slight change, I think, from Mark Dodson's original um, request that Scotland should be winning the World Cup. Um, do do you think that's? I mean, is that too pessimistic, or do you think that's a good target to set, or, or should they be trying to stretch the team? Given we got to the quarterfinals and did quite well in twenty fifteen. Um, I don't. I, I don't even remember asking that. But there you go. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think if, given the draw, I think that's a reasonable. I mean, the margin here, I think, is is so fine between what. For Scotland, what a successful World Cup is, and what a not successful World Cup. You know, quarterfinals and defeat potentially to South Africa, the All Blacks. Nobody's going to really be quibble too much about that. Um, failing to get out of the group, we're all going to be desperately unhappy. And that, you know, that's one 
you know, it's one step only. Uh, so, I, um, so I think it's probably reasonable given the job. I don't know when they. I'm not sure. You maybe tell me when they, when they made that uh, kind of statement. But um, you, you would want you. you I, I think without knowing the draw, you'd be looking at wanting to get to the, the semi. Um, uh, but once you've seen the draw, you think, well, well, you know, quarterfinals probably now a reasonable, reasonable shout um, with the hope that. You know, we catch them on an off day. I think the question you posed actually was was whether or not Townsend has picked a squad designed to get ah, to the quarterfinals, yeah. and I'd kind of I'd taken it and run with it at a slightly different angle. So do you do you do you honestly think that? Do you think that's what what he's gone with, or was it just a sort of general? One no, I, I, having I had a look uh, at some of the choices, it looks to me as if he's he's tried to address our defensive frailties, uh, and and that seems quite a um, a limiting thing if you're trying to win the World Cup. I think if you're trying to make sure you get out of the group, that's a perfect way to go. I, I, I mean, I can be. I mean, I don't want to be down on any any particular players, but I mean, you, you, I don't think you know. You're if you're looking for magic, you're looking for somebody to win you the thing. It's not going to be Chris Harris. I think if you're looking for somebody um, that will help you. Avoid humiliation, uh, and you know, and in a particularly in a couple of games that we know we should win, but perhaps our defence hasn't maybe been as good as it's been. Um, then yeah, and so I, I, I'm, I mean, it seems, sounds harsh, but it sounds almost like it's a job protection. Do you, if mean, we don't get out, of, if we don't get out of the group, I could lose my job. No, I mean, the sort. I mean, I Let's suppose sure we get out of the group. I suppose the other way of looking at that, Ian, is that. If if there is some long term planning here, that Townsend looks at his current squad and says this this current squad isn't good enough to win a World Cup, but I know what I've got coming through, and potentially I've got a, a we know we're already pushing the best teams in the world close on our day when we're playing with all guns firing, and I've got a very good group of talented young players coming through. If I can just kind of cement, get them that World Cup experience, cement our place. As a sort of you know regularly qualifying for quarterfinals, expose some players to that experience, but still get out the groups. That then you're looking ahead to the next World Cup, or or, or do you think that's that's that, that I'm reading, we're reading too much into that? Um, I think that's maybe looking a wee bit further forward because one of these sort of is it four or five year cycles, like what Pep Guardiola likes to do. Yeah. Um. So there's no guarantee that he'll he'll stay on for another World Cup. Um. You know, obviously, it will depend. I think a lot of this will depend on how this goes because if it is a disaster, um, the public will be calling for his head, and we'd imagine that the SRU would maybe you know just just cut ties with him. Um, but that's what, that's the worst case scenario, obviously, which isn't going to happen. Um, no, uh, I don't know. Um, I honestly don't know how this is going to go. It's um, it's you know it's, it's Scotland are very we're like the old France we're just you know consistently inconsistent. Yeah, I mean if I ask, I'll, I will do it now. Then your your head, heart, and ass predictions. Then Ian for the World Cup. What's the the head is? We'll, we'll, we'll recap. So head is the sensible prediction. Heart is what what you feel in your gut, and then ass is just some ridiculous thing you have pulled out of of the air or the worst case scenario, whichever way you want to go with it. Uh, head quarterfinals and a um, narrow defeat to whoever whatever one of the behemoths we end up playing. Um, 
that includes losing the island and coming through second, go beat Japan. Uh, Hart, we go, we get to the quarterfinals again and then go out tragically um, through our dodgy refereeing decision uh, in the last seconds. Uh, and ours is that the wheels fall off the wagon early. We get a booing off the island. We look, we look good against Samoa, so we're like, oh, we're running way back up, and then we uh, just throw it away against Japan. Yeah. Uh, Sandy, your head, heart, and arse predictions. Yeah, head is a quarterfinal. Um, straightforward. My heart says we'll beat England in the semis. <laughs> and that, and you know what happens in the final will happen in the final if we beat them in the semi-final I'll, I'll take that um, uh, Arse is we will beat Ireland in the opening match think it's job done and then lose to both Samoa and uh, Japan and get knocked out <laughs> uh, I'm going to say head quarterfinals and we'll, there'll be a slight moment of hope when it's South Africa rather than um, the All Blacks but we'll still lose convincingly uh, Hart says we make the semis, but probably lose to Wales, um, and we can all have a good, 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 uh, a good rant at Warren Gatland. Um, and Ars says um, there's this massive spate of injuries against Ireland, and we're 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 playing we're playing with like Hastings at fullback and Horn at ten. By the time we face Japan, and like Duncan gets called up. Aye. Dunk a jet lag donkey wear goes for a drop goal and and trips over his boots in the last minute against Japan. Um, the other thing I, I asked you both to think about um, is uh, to avoid being accused of being parochial here. Um, what, what do you think? What, I'll start with you, Ian. What do you think the big talking points are going to be in the tournament as a whole, not just related to Scotland? Um, unfortunately, I think it's going to be the uh, interpretation of the laws and the usage of TMOs and whatnot. Um, it's, you know, it just seems to be every week there's one sort of glaring error, uh, whether it's or something that we just end up going on and on about, whether it's Owen Farrell and his lack of arms, um, or Paul Gabrilag getting his suspension cut from 10 weeks to three just because he said sorry and brought nice biscuits to the disciplinary. <laughs> and, um Yes, that's that's my my concern. Uh, on a positive side, I think we'll see um, a lot less. Even though you know, the likes of Ireland and Wales will try and stifle you through forward power, I think we'll see a lot more expansive um, attacking rugby. Um, I just hope that uh, the conditions you know allow that to flourish. Yeah, uh, Sandy, your predictions? Do you agree with Ian and assumingly? Referees was the first thing I wrote down to be honest, and um, and then the only other thing, or, like, you know, I know it's not not hugely serious, but the weather. Everybody's going to be going on about the weather. That's going to be the big talking point. Monsoons. Is there going to be a monsoon? Is there not going to be? I'm a, I'm almost hoping there is going to be a monsoon because um, uh, the the bookies are offering fifty to one on a group match finishing nil nil, and uh, if you. You know, and the, the the little bit that I have noticed is that uh, uh, if a monsoon, monsoon calls a game off in the uh, in the group stages, it will be finished at nil nil. So oh, two points I, each. I, I I wonder whether they've uh, the bookies have actually worked that one out or not. <laughs> so that fifty to one, it's worth a couple of quid there. Eh? Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Um, Monster tips. Yeah, uh, my prediction is going to be the fans, but not in a positive way. I think. Uh, I don't think it's going to be trouble, but I think there's going to be a bit of a culture clash. 
is already, I'm assuming just because I've gotten my interest down at rugby, but I'm, I've been bombarded on Facebook with adverts from the British um, High Commission in Japan. I think that's what they're called. And they've got a, a London-based Japanese stand-up to start talking about the differences between Japan and the UK as a culture. And it's things like singing on public transport and there's an issue with tattoos and, and politeness. Mm-hmm. And I just, I can I think in other, in other areas, like, you know, if you, you, when the World Cup is in New Zealand or Australia or it's in England or whatever, that kind of, that that image of the kind of drunken fans with our arms around locals kind of go, plays quite well. But I, I'm, I'm just, there's part of me that just thinks they might cause trouble if the Japanese aren't quite prepared for it because you can imagine that those, the kind of drinking at a rugby match and then going and singing on public transport on your way back into the city or whatever isn't, I mean, it's frowned upon at the best of times in parts of this country, but <laughs> let alone a country where it's an absolute no-no. So I just, there's part of me worries whether or not how how that's going to go down. It might all be fine, but, you know, the, the I mean, the Scottish team are already saying they've taken... Um, vests for the guys to the guys with tattoos yeah. to wear in spas because uh, tattoos are are only are associated with the with with the triads and the Japanese mafia over the yakuza. Yeah. So I just that's that's that. I think I don't think we're going to get the normal kind of you know happy sort of you know happy warm tales of fans crossing the divide stories here. I think it's more likely to be the other way that the fans might be. View, foreign fans coming over, given where the bulk of them are going to be coming from, is, which is southern and northern hemisphere cultures where drinking and that kind of behaviour is the, the norm or accepted, that that that's going to cause a bit of upset in Japan, is my prediction. But See, I might um, be um, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I've, I mean, I've never been to Japan, but um, mm. I know a few folk that have, and they said there is. Um, I even saw a documentary on Channel Four about this. Um, so like it's quite it's sort of getting drunk because booze is or certainly was anyway because booze was so expensive in Japan it was actually a bit of a status symbol if you could afford to go out and get <laughs> drunk in a bar so like a Wednesday night you'd see these Japanese businessmen you know still in their suits coming straight from the office like like falling off their stools drunk um, and usually after like five or six beers because they can't hold their beer properly yeah, yeah. It's going to be an interesting one, anyway. I mean, the the other thing we spoke to Alan Dimmick uh, on the podcast, I think about a year ago, we had him on, and he'd been out there for a a, a warm up game, and he was saying that they had, in no way, were they set up for the kind of cues you're going to get at bars within stadiums. So again, I think that could be the other big story if they're not if if it's not if if they're not prepared for that 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 could be. Surely they have some beer serving robots somewhere. Probably, probably, probably invented got, something in the meantime. Yeah. Hope they've got a supply of pint glasses in, that's for sure. <laughs> um, that's enough. Any any more for any more on the World Cup? You both, do we want to talk about the ITV coverage and and the, how why they can't get any decent pundits? Um, no, I just well, they've, they've <laughs> seem to have poached all the good BBC ones yeah. like uh, Warburton and O'Connell. Um, that's about as far as it goes. We've got Big Jim and and Sarie McGeekin. At least it's not Channel Four. Their, their coverage is just dire. Yeah, <laughs> Every right. time you turn the turn the sound off, and they're doing rugby, it's horrible. If we can get <laughs> through the tournament without Sir Clive Woodward, I think we'll be doing oh, well. Jesus. No, yeah. you'll end up bumping into him eventually. Oh, he'll pop up on a screen, probably like you said, England in the semi-final. He'll be there with his smug little uh, ball yeah. face. Um, 
that's enough for the World Cup. Like I said, we'll, we'll, we're going to do, during the World Cup, we'll be sort of put out wee mini pods of about 20 minutes to half an hour just on after the squad announcements, looking ahead to the games. Uh, and then probably the day after any game, uh, we'll we'll put out a full length pod, just picking up on bits of news and, and looking back at the games themselves. Um, but for now, we are going to do one of our regular features, which is this. Well, we're low tie and we're low close and doggy by falling speedos. But I just want to know, did you see the legend that's Doogie Donnelly? Yes, it's Where's Doogie Donnelly. It's uh, the part of the podcast where we ask you to send in uh, details of, of players and pundits you've seen out and about. Uh, if you're out in Japan, uh, please do send them in if you see anybody out and about. Um, it'd be good to get a Japanese angle on, on where's Dougie Donnelly um, especially if you see uh, Dougie Donnelly in Japan if anybody sees Dougie Donnelly in Japan I'm not even sure if he's going but if you did see him and you get a photograph with him I will send you a free t-shirt of your choice from our Redbubble store I think that would you, you would have officially won where's Dougie Donnelly if that happens yeah. um, we've had a couple this week uh, Gregor Thompson said he saw the Georgian squad having a nice time taking photos of St Andrew's Square on Saturday afternoon um, I'm sure there's much in St Andrew's Square to see um, but then no. there you go uh, and Feed Me Crumble uh, that's his, his given name uh, says he was once saw Tommy Seymour and Nico Matawala walking past him when he was in the window of a Wagamama's he said he waved like an idiot and got a nonchalant <laughs> wave back from Tommy Seymour he said his other half was absolutely mortified um, so... <laughs> I, don't, I know who that is <laughs> do they wave like an idiot? Um, I don't know I thought... I can't recall them seeing them wave, to be honest. Yeah. But um, no, maybe it was just the the, uh, the Seymour effect it wow. makes you wave like an Egypt. Well, well, who wouldn't? And that might bring us on to something we might talk about in a minute. But uh, we're, oh, we're going to move on. It's the last section of the podcast now. We're, we're going to do this now. <laughs> Yes, it's time for Hands in the Ruck. Uh, it's our Any Other section, uh, the, any other business section of the podcast. I always trip over that. I did promise I'd do a, a quiz on the, the tournament rules of the World Cup, but we're kind of, we're pushed for time. We've actually got quite a quite a packed Hands in the Ruck to get get through. Um, we've we've had our one in from Ian Wallace, um, the uh, one of our regular listeners um, and, and member of the forum. Uh, his Hands in the Ruck has been... Um, the fact there's not a band in the up and under anymore. No MC in the up and under. He used to have Rory Lawson doing that. He used to go down very well. Mm. Uh, a crap DJ who finished 45 minutes after the end of of the match and £6.40 for a pint. Um, so uh, he also said that um, the fact that they've got rid um, Ember apparently have got rid of um, Bruce Aitchison as their stadium announcer, which has not gone down well with Ember fans. So um, no. I, I know a lot of Ember fans had a lot of time for Bruce Sandy. Um, a bit of a bit of a sad loss. I'm, I'm, I'm fr- frankly staggered at that um, because I, I thought he was brilliant, but I, I, I'm just don't know what what's behind that of uh, at all. I, 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 you know, I, I was at the friendly last week, and the, the the stadium announcer was very, very, very bland in comparison and and. I just, I'm, I'm staggered. I can't actually. I, I, I'm hopefully one day I'll get a chance to ask Bruce what what's happened there, but I, I can't understand it. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, well, I, I know Bruce is a big fan favourite down at Edinburgh, so ho- hopefully at some point they'll see see the error of the ways and he'll be back back pitch side interviewing the players and with his with uh, getting the crowd whipped up. Um, the um, another hands in the ruck. Um, that kind of came from everybody last week. I picked up on this and a, and a couple other people had sent it through to me. Was Tatler magazine released their list of the sexiest rugby players in the world? Uh, and on that list were Lee Halfpenny, Owen Farrell, Maro Otoji, Benny Villanapola, Jack Clifford, and Dan Carter. Um, now, there was a number of factual inaccuracies in the uh, article, um, not <laughs> least that um, I, I, I think you would be hard. I mean, I, I'm saying this as a heterosexual man, but I think, you know, it's the 21st century, we're able to say which, you know, we're able to, you know, whether other men are sexy or not. But I wouldn't say any of those guys would particularly fall in that category. And there were no Scots. On the no. list either, um, not even Alan Dell, the most beautiful-looking rugby player <laughs> in the world, even taking into account the fact that he's a prop. Um, the we we did a wee poll just saying which you know who's the sexiest, and we just did Alan Dell for four options, um, and and he came out top. Um, and Alan Dell, Alan Dell actually said, you know, actually has endorsed that poll. So there you go. Um, I'm put to you guys. I mean, we we had a lot. I mean, I'll give you the list of people that that we've submitted Scottish players submitted by our our listeners on Twitter. Tommy Seymour, John Barkley, Alex Dunbar, Sean Maitland, who was actually nominated by the Saracens uh, Commons manager. So I'm not sure if that counts, but I have seen Sean Maitland up close and he is very beautiful. Uh, ben Toulis, Hugh Jones. Uh, ben Toulis, who also looks like a pound shop Thor. Um, <laughs> Hugh Jones, Josh Strauss. I'm assuming that's the ladies who like the more hirsute gentlemen. Uh, Ryan Wilson and Ali Price, who knows a big hit with the ladies. Um We'll come on to to another submission we've had in a minute, Ian. But anyone else for you that stands out as they should have been on that list? Um, no, um, you know the, the first name when you mentioned this in the private chat. You know the first name came to mind was Alex Dunbar, but obviously he's not been picked for the World Cup squad. Um, myself and I think the gentleman you you might be um, discussing in the short future, short term future. Yep. Me and him spent a good ten minutes talking about how handsome Alex Dunbar was in the up and under on Friday night. Um, Barkley, he's like a rugged Bradley Cooper. He's quite a handsome chap. Yeah. Um, Tim Visser, you know, he's retired now, but he's a good-looking chap. And actually, Josh Strauss, right? I saw Josh Strauss. Um, I'd come in from work, I put the, the news on, and they were interviewing a Glasgow Warriors player, and it was Strauss without a beard, so I didn't recognise him until I heard the accent. And he actually looked like a he looked like a long lost Lambent brother. You know, he looked like a cross <laughs> between Sean and Rory. He was he's quite a handsome dude behind that big beard. Um, but. Uh, no, in terms of adding to the list, I think uh, you know, I think I'm done at Barclay and Dunbar really. Yeah. Uh, anyone for you, Sandy, that that's been missed off criminally? Well, my wife tells me that Simon Bergen appears quite regularly on the Rugby Scottish Men on Facebook, so uh, oh, I'll have to I'll have to give a shout out for Simon. Um, but uh, if you like, and I'd imagine if you're uh, the younger younger female generation, you probably find the. Uh, um, Edinburgh's Duhan van der Merwe, quite attractive. He's a large chap and very buff, so why not? He looks like Johnny Bravo. <laughs> he does yeah. look like Johnny Bravo, yeah. He does oh, look um, real. Cully, actually, I got a shout-out for Cully from, uh, I think, was it Ali Carberry or somebody? Yeah, yeah, yeah Cully, Cully's up there as well. There as well. But I, 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 he's not Scots qualified, we were asking no, for. We've got a lot of non-Scots submitted, not yet, but who knows. Um, uh, yeah. the, the one we were alluding to is um, Jack Witts on Twitter, uh, suggested Ross McDowell and I understand you know Ross um, I asked if that was an official nomination it would confirm that it, it was um, what, what's your take on this Ross Ross McDowell is that should he have been on the um, Tatler list Ian uh, it's, well I don't know what level he ever managed to represent Scotland that's um, 
but you know, a, a handsome chap, glorious moustache, uh, some some excellent facial foliage. Um, always turned out uh, nicely. Um, got a warrior's kilt. Uh, there's there's a lot to admire in that man. Let me tell yeah. you. Did did he? Um, I, I understand he was trying to give you beers so, so, to try and dissuade me from including him in that list. Did he? Did, 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 did you, you don't owe him anything in return for that, do you? Um, no, no. no. It's fine. <laughs> Thankfully, no. There's not <laughs> enough beers to to stop me. Um, <laughs> um, the other question we did on Twitter that kind of falls into hands in the right before we come to our own um, is we asked who or what in rugby would you prorogue until the 14th of October. Um, we had a lot of... Uh, Julie B and a, and a number of others said Johnny Sexton, which is a good shout. Uh, Rose said uh, Clive Woodward, and then uh, somebody else, I think it's Dave Black, said John Inverdale, Stuart Barnes, Clive Woodward, Jeremy, Jerry Muguscat, and Eddie Butler's soliloquies. Um, uh, Alistair Edinburgh Rugby said, any mention of what a player was doing, doing during the last World Cup? <laughs> I assume Darcy Graham was playing with his Lego. Get that one out of the way. Um, ben Chittuk says countless scrum resets. Um, Hugh Stark said English pundits asking non-English players if they would like to see England win the World Cup should their team get knocked out. Is it? It's just an Eng- It's just England that asked that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So Dream needy. So needy. <laughs> Please love, love us. me. Love me. Um, Eddie jo- uh, uh, Berwick Rugby Club suggested Eddie Jones and Warren Gatlin. Now, I don't think that's the official position of, of Berwick Rugby Club. I think that's Colin Frame who runs that account doing that. I, uh, you know, um, I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of Owen Weatherhead, one of their coaches who I don't think would agree with uh, the Eddie Jones submission. Um, Dr. Mark and Harvey got in touch on Twitter. He said, uh, Rob Carney, because World Rugby are incapable of proroguing him, <laughs> which I quite liked. Um, and Steph Franklin said she would prorogue James Haskell to the 14th of October 2060. Um, anything for you? Any, 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 anything you'd like to prorogue, Ian, between now and the fourteenth of October in rugby? That was, that was a fairly extensive list. Gus uh, uh, Oh, of course, um, my, my nemesis Benski. Benski, well, that that would help us out immensely. Immensely, Sandy. Anything for you? You'd like to prorogue? Yeah, just um, um, commentators talking about where somebody was born. Yes. Not, not playing for that particular country yeah. you know it just drives me nuts yeah um, did you see that sorry to interrupt there did you see that article are you going to talk about that the one where um, it's all the squads broken down by uh, residency grandparents yeah. no. that kind of thing? have they done that again who is it's not rugby pass is it uh, no some uh, somebody put it on your twitter um, hang on was that, a, was that a YouTube video initially? And I think I think I saw uh, it. no, no, it's an actual article, and oh, they're right. not um, they're not really criticising. They're just pointing out, but um, yeah, yeah, Scotland had uh, seven grandparent ones, only only two by residency. It's only yeah. Nell and Johnson yeah. by residency, um, but we had by far the most grandparentage ones. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, uh, it just shows the diaspora of Scots, really. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I think that's that, that's what we've always comes back to: is just Scots have tended to be emigrants. As much as anything else, nomadic souls. Exactly, traveling the traveling the world and in, inflicting our uh, inflicting our terrible food and drinking habits <laughs> on everyone. Else. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's quite interesting. I think probably we are. It probably is one of the lowest Scotland squads for residency for a while. Um, so it's quite. I suppose that shows uh, it's a combination of good scouting and good youth development. And like we said before, the the, the kind of it's interesting they've done it on grandparents and. Things like that because it, it does make the kind of the alley prices a bit more 
relatable because you know when you start doing it by birth, it gets it kind of hides the fact that guys like Ryan Wilson have come through the Scottish kind of exiles youth development programs, and that there has been some investment in the S, you know from the SIU and the development, and not just kind of parachuting them in later in life. Um, Sandy, what's had its hands in Yorick this week? I don't actually have anything. <laughs> um, I can't. With there, with there being nothing rugby wise, really, uh, I, I, no, I don't have anything. Well, that's very, it's a very, a, a nice zen way to go into the to the World Cup because there'll be plenty. There'll be plenty coming <laughs> down the line. Uh, Ian, what's had its hands? had its hands in Europe this week. Um, yes, I actually got asked to um, nominate one from Davy Smith, who I was in the Scottish Rugby Forum. I was at the um, the France game uh, the other week with him when, when we went up with you, Cammy. <laughs> um, yes, he, uh, and I agree with this, right, the state of the place after the um, after we'd finished watching the, the England Island match, it was an absolute riot. Uh, there was bottles everywhere. Um, so, you know what, this isn't the Reading Festival. Take your stuff with you. Um, admittedly, I don't think there is enough uh, bins and what have you um, kicking about, but it doesn't take long to pick up your stuff. I mean, it was, it was an absolute riot. And fair enough, they do employ people to pick it up, but I'm sure they'd much rather be doing something else. If they can finish early, go out and enjoy the sun. You just put stuff in the bin. You're not a child. Yeah. No, I would second that. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, that'll be the end of it anyway, because it's going to be a stadium soon. Indies, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Don't mess that up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've got um, my own hands in the ruck, and then I've got one from someone else. Um, the, via Twitter, um, my hands in the ruck was um, the a, a Welsh whiskey company. Um, I'm not even sure. Yeah, Scotch whiskey. The name Scotch whiskey is protected, but whiskey is not, sadly. So the the Welsh are, are trying to inflict their own whiskey on the world. Um, I've I've tried a Welsh whiskey. Was it by that gum? Um, it actually was maybe because I was expecting it to be utterly horrendous. Um, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. Well, there we go. Um, the, but it's not the fact that they produced a Welsh whiskey is my hands in the ruck. Um, it's the fact that they uh, I got emailed a press release to say they presented Warren Gatland with a bottle of their 2019 Grand Slam whiskey, which I would suggest means it's only one year old, and one year old whiskey is going to taste. Well, it's not even one year old. What, six months. I don't oh, even think they can call it whiskey. If it's I don't know. It's been six. Maybe it's just twenty nineteen Grand Slam whiskey. You can no, that's not whiskey. It's just a spirit. Um, <laughs> but the it's, it was this line in it is it said the bottle's called Gatastic, and the guy from the the director of the distillery explained Gatastic has become a word synonymous with success in the world of Welsh rugby. I have never heard the word <laughs> Gatastic used before at all. No. <laughs> so it can't be synonymous with Welsh rugby success unless. It's been used repeatedly over a long period of time, and I put it on Twitter to say, "Look, is it, it? It could just be some secret that the Welsh have that they're secretly using this word gatastic between one another when describing Wales." Oh, that was that, you know, that was gatastic, but oh, things like that. Gatastic by the wasn't it? Yeah, gatastic. But um, gatastic. no, no, no Welsh, no Welsh presence come back and say that no. gatastic is a thing. It doesn't even work as a as a pun for fantastic. It sounds more closer to gastric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Which is what you'll have if you drink it. Yeah, probably exactly. There we go. So that's that's that marketing the rubbish marketing stuff that we've started to get through already as the World Cup ramps up is only gonna get worse. I had one from James Haskell advertising C B D oil the other day. <laughs> and just no. No. They did offer us an interview to be fair, but I don't I I I, I was sorely tempted, but I just I I, I would have done that. You, if if they approach us again, Ian, you're welcome to it. Right. Um, I'll just like make sure I, I drink all of his CBD oil first. <laughs> <laughs> Even you know, there's only been minuscule amounts of THC in it, so I'll just let. So I don't know how much that's about to take. So I just drank eight bottles, completely <laughs> baked. Um, that could be fun. The other hands in the rut we had uh, wasn't sent to us directly, but a, a number of people may have seen that the Scot- famed Scottish singer Barbara Dixon uh, had a bit of trouble at Murrayfield on Friday night. Uh, and took to Twitter to complain that she'd been told that she couldn't take a bag into Murrayfield because it was bigger than the permitted size. Now, uh, a lot of people quite rightly have said that the bag restrictions have been in place for some time, uh, but she did get some uh, sympathy from David Soul. Um, but we've we've used our best journalistic skills and we've been able to reconstruct what actually happened that evening uh, when on Friday night when, when Barbara Dixon approached the Murrayfield turnstile. So she got to the gate and there was a security guard there um, and, and Barbara thought, He's a man. He's just a man. <laughs> but when, when she got there, the security guard stopped her and he said, the bag's too big and she'd have to pay for a locker. And so Barbara said, I don't know how to And he said, I don't know what to tell you, Hen, but rules have been in place for a while. And she was a bit puzzled because she's sure she'd taken uh, a bag into um, into Murrayfield during the Six Nations. And she said... Um, and the security guard said, look, it's for security reasons. Uh, but he had, he had quite a thick uh, Glasgow accent. And, and Barbara thought... Um, and and once she understood what he was saying, uh, she turned round to him and, and and quite angrily said, "You just say the things you want to hear, like I believed everything was clear." Uh, but he stood his ground quite rightly. Uh, he said it was clear uh, on, and all ticket holders had received information about the bag sizes and the information was available on the SRU website. Uh, but Barbara still wasn't having it and she said, Don't you think it's rather funny? I should be in this position. I'm the one who's always been. And the guy said, he said he didn't think it was rather funny at all. And he didn't care how many shows she'd run. She still wasn't coming in with a bag. Uh, and Barbara was furious. Uh, and she said, Should I bring him down? Should I scream and shout? Should I speak of love? Let my feelings out. I never 
And the guy said, I didn't think it'd come to this either, Hen, but you're not bringing the bag in. So she had to pop to the lockers like everyone else and leave it there. Uh, but then then she started to think to herself. Looking back, I could have played it differently. <laughs> and her friend said, you're right, you, you probably could have played it differently. Uh, but anyway, once she was inside, she was straight to the hospitality bit, having some wine. And Gus Pichot was there uh, and, and he cornered her. And he started going on about international teams only being made up of pure bloods and world rugby rankings being run by the Illuminati. Uh, but Barbara was, was, was having none of it. Uh, and she said, Don't cry for me, <laughs> So that was him told. Uh, but Barbara, she had a nice night in the end. Uh, and when she went to collect her bag, someone recognised her and asked if she'd enjoyed the game and what she thought of Darcy Graham's try. And she said... Wasn't it good? So cool. Wasn't he fine? So fine. But uh, she got home and she was still a bit upset, so that's when she went on Twitter. So, yeah. You're going to have to pay her royalties now. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Do you know what? It was worth it. I'm just, I'm just disturbed by the amount of those songs I actually know. <laughs> I had, that, that's that's I had to spend four ninety nine on a best of uh, <laughs> best of Barbara Dixon seed uh, on a. Have you, have you not heard of Spotify? <laughs> I know, but it's easier. It's easier to to oh. do the clips on my soundboard. I can't even. Uh, yeah. So anyway, that was me. That was that was an evening well spent. I've got I've got two young kids that don't get out much. <laughs> um, that was our uh, that was our um, world. Rugby World Cup preview episode. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, Barbara, just email us and I'll, I'll wing you over uh, a couple of quid in royalties. It's totally worth it. Um, we'll be back uh, next week. We're not going to put our proper podcast next week. Uh, probably at the end of the week will be our first of our preview pods uh, in advance of the Ireland game, where we will probably be um, absolutely baffled by the by some sort of mad selection that Gregor Townsend has thrown in uh, for that game. Uh, in the meantime. Get in touch with us with any questions, anything you think we should be covering. Um, follow us on Twitter, get in touch by email. Please, please, please don't forget to buy the unofficial Scotland World Cup song. Be one of the cool kids. Say you were the first one to, to sing it and one of the first ones to buy it when you hear the, the, the fans singing it on the from the stands in Japan. It's called We'll Still Enjoy the Saki. It's available on our website, Scott's website, scottishrugbyblog.co.uk. It's only £4, and all the money that we raise uh, after um, Bandcamp uh, take their cut goes to the My Name's Doddy Foundation. We, we've we've broken the £150 mark. We'd quite like to get to 500 if possible, by the end of the World Cup. Whether that's possible, we'll see. I, th- I suspect it'll come down to how well Scotland do. Um, if we could get past 200, we, we would be delighted, of course. Uh, so please go to the blog uh, after you listen to this. Um, we'll, we'll stick, we've been sticking wee clips at the end of every episode we've done. So if you if you hang on after we've said our goodbyes, you'll be able to hear a wee sample of the uh, main track. We'll still enjoy the Saki, uh, the B and the B-side, uh, Bring Back Doogie Donnelly on the BBC. Um, for the moment, though, it is goodbye from me and goodbye from Ian and Sandy. Hey, folks. Oh, you canny shift the mesh off the ball. No, you canny shift the mesh off the ball. He'll run rings around your crew because he's a pinball with a two. No, you canny shift the mesh off the ball. 
singing we're gonna win the World Cup Oh yes, we're gonna win the World Cup And even if we can't, we'll still enjoy the sake We're gonna win the World Cup Bring back Doogie Dolly on the BBC He's stupendous, he's tremendous, he's the best Gabby Logan, Sonia McLaughlin, no you really cannot knock them But Doogie's so much better than the rest So bring back Doogie Dolly on the BBC His cancellation really was a farce Dan Walker, Jake Ball, no they don't have it at all And you can stick your Inverdale up your wand